Hi, everyone. Hi. And welcome to another edition of Superman's Other Pals, a podcast where I, Gary Rowland, discuss the Silver Age comic book Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen with his teenage daughter, Ella Plum Rowland, and together. And together what? Just together. And together we talk about the comic and what happens and I guess criticize it and point out most of the inconsistencies, if not all, well, I don't think all of the inconsistencies and issues. I think that issues. we look at it through, I think a, we get through a, a modern day lens. I think we get a good amount of inconsistencies and issues. Well, I think, you know, we point out some of the inconsistencies, uh, but at the same time we comment on some of the subtext going on with Jimmy and Superman's relationship, as well as now Jimmy and Lucy, Lucy Lane's uh, relationship, which is quite unhealthy, very unhealthy. But I, you know, I think that's what is that? Is that is that okay? What that what relationship what is unhealthy? But or... you know, what the things that I'm saying, more or less, yeah. Okay, we are now at Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number forty-two, number forty-two, uh, January forty-two, which technically means nineteen sixty, but blah, 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 blah. released too much before. There it is. All right, so Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, we have a cover. And on the cover, we see a man in the background, bald, in a checkered suit. With a polka dot bow tie. Looking kind of like Lex Luthor, but not because he's got a mustache. He has no eyebrows. He has no eyebrows. And he's not wearing the... He does have eyebrows. They're very strange eyebrows. He's not wearing the classic Silver Age. They're like vertical eyebrows. Have you ever seen the classic Silver Age Lex Luthor? He was in that one issue. He has he like, like a, a silver. No, he has like a pink shirt with like a crazy collar and. Crazy um, how? Well, it's a pink shirt with a like a big collar and then this big collar like Evil Queen big collar big collar no. like like how like Space Age big collar like Doctor Strange big collar. Well, I'll just show you. You know, because now in the modern age, ever since the reboot, ever since um, Man of Steel, when uh, John Byrne took it over in the 80s, he is portrayed kind of as a slick businessman, which which made sense. Yes. But in the 60s. Oh, it is an evil queen collar, Dad. So he's got this popped up collar. With a V-neck. With a V-neck, with a black shirt underneath, and this, sometimes it's pink, sometimes it's purple shirt with matching boots, and this cross, like a cross harness, and then green pants and green gloves. That's weird. Yes. It is a little odd. And by a little odd, I mean odd. Okay. So, but this is not that guy. So anyway, it was, so he's there, and in the front, we see Superman, who is... Getting the classic effects of kryptonite. I don't think he's ever turned green before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. He does? Sometimes he does. Sometimes. Sometimes you'll see him turn green. Not always, though. And this is very, very green. And then we see a classic genie-esque lamp with a big puff of, like, wispy smoke coming out of it. But at the top... Is Jimmy's head. Is Jimmy's head wearing a turban. And the man is saying... Genie Olsen, I order you to turn into living kryptonite and destroy Superman. And Jimmy says, I've become the genie of Aladdin's lamp, and this criminal is my master. I must obey his command. And it's featuring Jimmy the Genie, also the big Superman movie. So those are two yep. stories that are featured within the yep. confines they of the pages. I neglect to mention the third. I guess it's not important. Now we're going to go into the issue itself. Uh, inside cover. We have returned. Uh, we have now, this this issue returns to the previous format of having all of the ads. Back in. Back in. Uh, we had a momentary glitch last month. For some reason, the nice. copy. Last week? Last week. week. Okay, so last week we had a, 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 the copy that we had. Uh, for some reason, in that particular one, they decided to take out all the ads. Which I'm very glad that this one did not, because there are certainly a number of the ads that I, like, I'll miss. And if they kept doing it that way, like, there would be, I would miss out on the entire, like, the introduction of G.I. Joe and many, many other things. In the inside cover, we have Stephen Credit Sales. And it is, do you want spending money? Sell these popular patriotic and religious mottos. Still, still not patriotic mottos. Well, it's the same ad that has been running since... 
Just like, with slightly different background colors. Yeah, it's that they, they all they do is they adjust the color sometimes. Sometimes it's a red background. Sometimes they use like a three color process. Sometimes it's now in this case it's just black and white. I think they might have used blue. But it's just basically it's monochromatic. Yes. And I, I guess just sometimes they tell the printer, hey, instead of black this month, what you know, what ink are you trying to get rid of? Uh, it is. The common let's get kids to sell stuff for us plan, which is... Not still a thing? No. Well, no, not really. You know, it's one of those things where when I was when I was a boy... <sighs> sorry about that, everybody. But anyway, I had a paper route. Like, that was the thing. I was like 12, 10 or 11 or 12. Like, it was very young. Grandpa had a paper route. And I had a paper route. And it was a thing that there were paper boys. Yep, we uh, don't have that. Now... Yeah, if you look and they're, they're, if you see the people who do, and they actually have ads now for paper boys or uh, for paper routes, you can you can pick up different routes for different kinds of periodicals, but they're pretty much always done by grown-ups with cars. Yep. Yeah, it's no longer the kids. Yeah, no. So now, so that's basically that. There's uh, here. Why don't you uh, sell some stuff? And so if you sell twenty-five, keep two fifty. 30, keep $3, 40, keep $4. So it's roughly, and by roughly, I mean exactly 10%. 10%. And that's assuming you sell them at a dollar each. We don't know how much you actually sold them exactly. for. Exactly. You know, it, it does say you're supposed to sell them for 35 cents each, but that's not to say that you couldn't sell them for 50 cents. But I, I don't know if that's ever happened, and I feel as though... We've gotten off track. We have gotten off track. So now it brings us to our first story. Would Would you like to read the... Intro to this sure. story. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, she is taking a drink out of her Scooby-Doo glass. She is sticking her tongue out at me derisively, and she goes up to the microphone, and finished? she gets ready to talk. Let, let me know when you're finished. Okay. I'll let you know when I'm finished. <laughs> Are you finished? I said I'd let you know when I was finished. <laughs> I can whistle that, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. It is public domain. Okay, good. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the jazz version of... That is not the jazz version. Entry that is of the Gladiators. exactly Entry of the Gladiators. Entry by the Gladiators. Otherwise known as that circus song. Right, as that circus song that you've heard a million times. Well, I guess I've let this on for long enough. Yeah. I am finished! For years, Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter, has dreamed of doing a movie with his hero, Superman. But when the big day comes, with Superman playing his own role, a famous young star is chosen to play Jimmy's part. Yes, there is no glamour or glory for Superman's pal to enjoy when he is forced to stand on the sidelines and watch his Hollywood double star in the big Superman movie. All right, nicely done, Elephant. Did I did I go too loud? I, I too no, loud? no, you were fine. I just okay. checked it. I checked it. Everything was good. Okay. okay, so that brings us to the first panel of this story, and in it we see uh, a big, you know, background of a sky, and there's a director and a script girl. We know that it is the director and a script girl because they are wearing chairs. They have chairs that have printed on them, director and script girl. Now, normally I would make fun of this. However, I do, having been on the set in the past, I have actually seen this thing. But there is Jimmy dressed in, smartly dressed in joppers, like a very safari-esque. Whatever the heck that kind of shirt is. That was always a thing that they, they whenever they would show sort of stereotypical directors, they always. I know, it's like brown pants. Well, joppers specifically, which joppers. are the ones with like the big hippie things and like tight at the knees and riding boots. It was a look. With I, like a big brown belt and an ascot. And generally, also uh, a beret. It was popularized, actually, by Eric von Stroheim, if I'm not mistaken. The sort of golden age of cinema director. Mm -hmm. And he he looked like that. That was like his outfit. And now it's just sort of... A stereotype. Dudes in photojournalist vests and baseball caps. Yep. I don't know if that's still the thing, but definitely was that. That was the thing for a while. Anyway, we open, and Jimmy is on a plane. And he's going to Mammoth Studios. And just so happens that on this plane is his girlfriend, stewardess Lucy Lane, although now they are called flight attendants. Uh, we find out that 
there's going to be a Superman movie. Yep. And it's going to be based on the adventures of basically it's going to be based on Jimmy Olsen's adventures with Superman. Okay. So when it starts, this is something that, you know, many, many a creator has, you know, tried in the past and while all and happens to him. And that seems like since it's my story, I am the only person, I'm the person who can test the story best. So, so I'm going to have to star in it. I'm going to have to star in it. But the movie industry is like, nope, we need a more handsome guy. Right. So they say, so they find a guy and the guy's name is Cecil something or other. Cecil Cecil Hathaway, who looks like Jimmy Olsen, only kind of looks like Jimmy Olsen, but is blonde instead of redheaded because apparently... And has no freckles or frown lines. Well, not frown lines. What are those? Are those frown lines? These? The things on his forehead? Yes, the things on his forehead. Furrow lines? You're furrowing your brow? Sure. Okay. Well, he doesn't have those either. So basically, they make him up and they make him, quote unquote, less handsome. (laughs) And I mean, the image they're showing of Jimmy in this... Certainly shows why. Right. Because I guess also, like, he's blonde because there are no other redheads in this universe and on Earth-1. I think this is supposed to be Earth. I think this is Earth-1. This is considered Earth-1. I think this is before the multiple Earths was a thing. No. No? No, I don't think so. Okay. Actually, I think I've seen, like, well, also, we've seen alternate realities already. So technically, there are alternate, like, in Jimmy Olsen, we've seen alternate realities so we know that, you know, they, they exist anyway. So in this case, uh, so Jimmy is uh, writing up the script. And they say that he's going to be the director. Right. So he wears uh, the director garb. We see him in the joppers and the shirt As- ascot. With a beret. With a beret. So he could not be more stereotypical for the time if he tried. Right. So then Cecil Hathaway comes out and he's dressed as Jimmy Olsen looking a lot like Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. Those makeup artists did a good job. And Superman shows up and is like, what's what's going on? What? Huh? All right. So he plays along. And tells Jimmy to give Cecil his watch so that he can summon him when he's needed. So he then goes, okay, well, you know, so he gives the watch to Cecil. And so, uh, so he flies off. And basically, he's like, all right, whenever you need me, like whenever you're getting ready to shoot. Just summon. Just, just, just press the thing and I'll show up. I'll come running. Don't worry about it. Like, basically, to him, the world is his trailer. So, they say, okay. So, they let him go. And then later, we see Jimmy is with Lucy, and she's asking about his big starring role. And she's like, no, I've got a more important role. I'm the director. And she's like, are you sure that's more important, Jimmy? That is so much more important. It is. It is. Now, when you talk to any actor, the she thing just that they wants t- to date the movie star. Yeah. That's the thing. This is the time when basically she yeah, there wants was a to lot date of- the famous person. Right. What we find out is so we, we it goes to the uh, the it's a stunt. The first one is a stunt. Jimmy is chasing Stunt Stanton on a motorcycle. Yep, and they need actual Jimmy to be, I guess, a stunt double. Right. For for other for Cecil, I guess. No, 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 no. He's no? the director. So they go through and basically. Uh, the the stuntman goes so he he hooks up basically what he does is he gets stunt stanton to uh crash his motorcycle and then he's going to call superman to go and get him except cecil goes off script right he takes the 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 inner tube because this is the time when they had pneumatic tires with inner tubes and they pump up uh, one of the tires, then it basically he uses it as a flotation device. To get across the so river. That, so you don't have to call Superman. And, and Jimmy's like, hey, what's the big idea? So then, uh, you know, Lucy's like, oh, Cecil, you're so smart. You're way smarter than Jimmy. Jimmy can't do anything without Superman being around. I mean, she's not entirely wrong. No, she's not. I, 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 you know, we'll go back to the time when there was a grease fire in his house. And he seriously considered right. summoning Superman. And he was going to summon Superman, but he forgot that he couldn't. I forget why. Anyway, so the, then they are going on a one where there is a, he, uh, the, he hears that there, he follows, Jimmy follows some people to a counterfeiters. And then in the counterfeiters, they're going to dissolve the plates in acid so nobody can convict them. And his problem was how to stop them. And he knew that the crooks were superstitious. Because as we all know, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. But. Because Batman. 
Is that why Jim, we does know? Jimmy Olsen dress up like Batman? No. No, but is that why we know? Yes, that is. Okay. Yes, because as you know, I like that. Police officers always go around with bats to scare. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty friggin' scared if I was just minding my own business in an office building, whether that business be criminal or not, and a bat flies in out of nowhere. I guess. Like, I just... I'd be... Like, I wouldn't necessarily be, like, terrified, but I would be freaked out. I have always found that to be... Because I was freaked out when a sparrow flew into our house. I was... I will always find that to be a super, super dumb thing. That, you know, it's it ranks right up there with, look up in the sky, there's a bird. Of course, who the hell would be interested? <laughs> who would want everybody around them to look up in the sky and see a bird? I don't know. Have <laughs> you ever seen, like, during gym class, there have legitimately been times where people are just like, look, there are two birds fighting, and even the teacher yeah. will drop everything and just stare at the birds until they stop fighting. But that's because they're just trying to not be in gym class. But, yes, that was, I always find that... I'm going to dress up as a bat because criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. And if I dress up as a bat, then that's going to make them afraid. Because as we all know, all criminals are no. afraid of bats. What's scary is a psychopath running around as a bat who can actually fight. Right, right. A super rich dilettante who likes to beat up poor people. But that's another podcast, not this one. So uh, so basically, he dresses up in his uh, – so instead of dressing as a bat, he puts on a silk treat, a silk sheet treated with luminous paint. Now, why do they just have one of those? He just – I guess he – I guess – well, you know, he is the boy of a thousand faces. is Batman the one with the utility belt with all the gadgets in it? I think he's a – I'm sorry. I think he's the boy with a hundred faces. I think that was the – I think it's a hundred yeah, faces. Yeah, he only had a hundred, not a thousand. He's no Lon Chaney. He's uh, he's one tenth of Lon Chaney. Uh, so he throws on the glowing sheet and chases after the guys, and they all run. And he was going to su- signal for Superman because he fell into a hole that right. he couldn't climb out of. Right, he fell into a hole, and then but instead uh, takes the luminous sheet and makes a kite and writes SOS on it. So as to signal the police to get him to go there so that you don't have to call Superman because he's a strong and independent man. And he that can't, doesn't need no superhero. Right. He doesn't need any superhero to help him. So and of course, Lucy is there to remind Jimmy that uh, he's that an, he should be the star. Right. Of the film. That he's that he's a dummy and that, you know, he can't do anything without Superman bailing him out, which is not untrue. Yeah, so, she's she's mean about it, but she's right on this one. Well, the other thing she's is, they're wrong. both they're both not wrong. None, neither of them are wrong. So okay, so the next one, Jimmy's uh, just not happy about them not being wrong. right. Of course, he does not like to be made the fool. So he very few people do. He goes into the flying newsroom in the this next. Is in the a next model line. flying newsroom. Yeah, it is the model of the flying newsroom, and he makes an emergency landing in the desert, and he's stranded without water. So he. Was he has to signal Superman? Except Cecil. Cecil says, "What are you doing? Like you don't have to do that. I can just drink the radiator water." I have a question. Sure, I know what I'm about to say. Go ahead. Is it actually safe to drink radiator water? Oh no! I figure. No, 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 no. Oh right. Oh, right. And, and I just figured to, that just, would be the case. Just to let everybody know, also he's going. The reason why he's in the desert is to look at a uh, an archaeological an archaeological dig so he also how long has it been since he last drank water a human being can go three days without drinking water don't tell me he went two other days without drinking water i don't think that's true i don't think but you know also radiator water first of all there's the whole antifreeze thing i'm sure that this is a time i don't know if this is necessarily a time when people would add water add antifreeze to their water but uh, an antifreeze being poisonous, but it's not. It can't be good anyway. So basically, he finds once again. Lucy is there saying, "Oh, you're wonderful. See, you're Cecil. I had a date with Jimmy for Saturday night, but I think he he'll be busy studying how to use all of his wits." And then Jimmy, off to one side, just says, "Bah." He's a villain who says, "Bah." I know it is. It's weird. So he's not evil though. He's just petty. Or isn't he? So, He's just impulsive. That's not evil. That's just ill-advised. So 
Then there's a studio in the back of the, at the lot, and the movie company borrowed that untamed gorilla from the zoo okay, for the next okay, episode. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Go ahead. I know what I'd say. Since when does the movie industry use untamed animals for anything? They can't even use untrained dogs. Never. That would be never. They only use, uh, you know, basically because of this very reason... Because, you know, the untamed gorilla that caused havoc is... You can't even use untrained dogs. What makes you think they will use an untrained gorilla? Not only do they not use... But they have sitting dogs and moving dogs. And moving cats and sitting cats. Yes, and sitting cats. That was something I learned. I was on an... I was uh, an extra on an episode of... I believe it was... The Crazy Ones, starring um, Cher, Michelle Geller, and Robin Williams. And I had to carry a cat. And they were, the, the cat wrangler was worried. Because they had gotten a, a motion cat instead right. of a holding cat. Because the people wanted a sitting cat, not a carrying cat. I, it was super weird. But that's when I found out about that. I so, mean, cats have very different temperaments depending on the I cat. I guess so. So basically, the gorilla, of course, being an untamed gorilla. And last time they dealt with it... Uh, it borrowed an untamed – I guess the untamed gorilla went on a rampage before also, and is now doing a great job of recreating that rampage. But unfortunately, now it's it's in the – I have another question. Go ahead. Is, an, is a gorilla strong enough to bend iron bars? Well, I think that's a matter – you know, maybe they're weak bars. Maybe – yeah, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Okay. But we'll have to – you know, I, I would be perfectly willing to believe that he can't. Although then why they would put him in a cage that had bars that he could get that he through. could get through, why they decided that was a good idea is a mystery. Is certainly a mystery. So they are like, okay, so let's get the signal watch and call Superman, but Cecil's like but er Cecil can't, Lucy. And then what you find out is that his watch is a fake prop. And so Because uh, Jimmy lost it. Right. Because he's Jimmy. I have one one more question. Go right ahead. So Basically, um, Jimmy, Jimmy's shirt changed color. Yeah, I, I think that's just a straight up just mistake. Don't, just let it go. That one, I will say, just, just let it go. Jimmy's shirt just. Yes, it's white in all the other pages, and then in one, in one case, in this one panel, it's, it's bright, bright yellow. yellow. And it could be that when they recolored, because I think this, this particular issue is also digitally recolored. That there was a problem in the process, or like could be a problem with the printers. It's it's just a it's just a, a, a okay. it is the it is an art typo. Okay. okay. Uh, the first night in my hotel, I found my signal watch missing. I had lost it. I had hopes that it would turn up in the hotel's lost and found department. Meanwhile, I didn't dare tell Superman of my carelessness in losing his valuable watch, so I stalled for time with Cecil's help. I thought of clever things he could do in each episode so that he wouldn't have to use the fake watch. And Lucy's like, Jimmy, you are the real genius. I love you again. Right. Oh, my God. So he... Okay, so holy cow, how can Cecil's fake watch work? No, it's your real signal watch, Jimmy. When I changed to another one of your suits a while ago, he found the watch in the pocket because... Oh, yeah, they um, used Jimmy's actual suits right, as well. Right, right, right. Cecil is wearing Jimmy's suits because, of course, first of all, they are one-of-a-kind suits. And then second of all, movies don't have wardrobe departments. Might have been a very low-budget movie. Jimmy Olsen is the director. It, it must have been. So then Superman shows up, grabs the monkey, I'm sorry, gorilla, and uh, puts gives him a light tap so he's unconscious and then slaps him inside a moon rocket prop until he can repair the cage. Now, why they're putting him back in the cage that he could clearly have bent the bars and gotten out of, we won't know. We don't know. Perhaps he's going to reinforce it in some way. So then you find out that then, of course, now, yeah, that that uh, Jimmy has now that Lucy has now realized that Jimmy is the real smart guy. She's back with him. Right. Because she is perhaps the single most flighty person. And she is a flight attendant. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Nicely played, Miss Rowland. All right. So uh, then it brings us back. It brings us to our first PSA. Uh, now we have Binky. And allergy. And his and his friend. I guess it's his brother. Allergy. It seems like it's his brother, Dad. Um. So it says Binky in the best present of all. And they come and there's allergy. 
because it's clearly a Christmas time comic. What's the matter, Allergy? You look as though you've lost all of your Christmas cheer. So basically, Allergy says, you know, you guys gave me all these great, great gifts, and I couldn't buy you anything good because I don't have any money, and I'm just a kid, and I'm poor, and I can't get you anything. And then everybody's like, what? Like, didn't you sing Christmas carols on Christmas Eve with the Golden Age Club? Didn't you spend a lot of time? Basically, didn't you do every single charitable and kind thing you could do? He's like, didn't you decide not to be a jerk around Christmas? Didn't you actually decide to give a lot of yourself? Um, He helped make toys for kids who couldn't get presents. Exactly. So they're like, "That's, that's what Christmas is all about. It's not about presents. It's about your presence. Wasn't that on a wedding invitation you got at some point? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Um, so, you know, he basically learns a, uh, he's like, a, you know, don't be a dope allergy. I think that, I think you've tied your bow tie far too tight. Um, you're a great I mean, kid. That would explain why there's so much of it. Yes. And uh, just to let everybody know, yeah, if you have, if you've it never seen like it. It looks like a bat. It really does. It looks like a bat is sleeping on his neck. <sighs> Or he has grown the single worst beard ever <laughs> recorded by How humanity. How one even make a beard that I looks like that? That's like inhuman. And then, of course, at the bottom it says, published as the public service in cooperation with the National Social Welfare Assembly. Assembly. Coordinating Organization for National Health, Welfare, and Recreational Agencies of the U.S. All right. So then we have Cora the Carhop. This is a new one. This is a new one. And uh, Cora the Carhop is just hanging out by the booth at the drive-in. And the guy is saying, business is bad. Not many cars are stopping here. I've got to think of something to make the cars stop here. And then they see a guy painting the stripe on the road. And then she uh, has an idea. Cora the car, car hop takes the painter and then runs the line through the drive-in. The drive-through so that everybody has to stop there. That's not how that works. No, no, it really isn't. So, oh, sorry. She she does she um distracts him by offering a cup of coffee and maybe a sandwich. So then she takes the painter and paints it along the drive-in. Anyway, so that's not funny. And so now we have the uh, the coming super attractions. Once again, I really like like I've start. I'm glad that this has started to happen. Um, to give everybody a little context of what's going on with other issues, as well as letting us know. So in Superboy comics. Um, they have two amazing stories, the ghost of Jor-El and the super sister of Steel. Do you think that's going to be Supergirl? Could be. Probably. She is making like an entrance. Actually, the... I don't think so because he, she doesn't meet Superboy. She meets Superman. All right. So, and then they have Superman in January, th- a great three-part novel, the super outlaw of from Krypton. Part one, the super menace of Metropolis. Part two, the revenge against Jor-El. And part three, the duel of the Superman. So I guess uh, this is a a guy from Krypton shows up and decides to become an outlaw. Okay. An early General Zod. Uh, so then they have in Lois Lane comic now on sale. Thrills, shocks, suspense, suspense. When Lois spends three nights in the Fortress of Solitude, an extra Lois meets Supergirl. So that's what's going on. While this is going on. Yep. So, uh, now we have the second story. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Extra, extra, read all about it. Veteran editor, editor Perry White gets pushed around by young cub reporter Jimmy Olsen. Yes, readers. Strange as it may seem, the worm has turned. For one shocking day, the Daily Planet office is turned upside down as Perry White, famed newspaper editor, and Jimmy Olsen, fledgling news hawk, exchange jobs. You'll never believe how low the mighty have fallen until you get the inside story of Perry White, Cub Reporter. So, um, in the inset panel, there is Jimmy Olsen behind a desk, and it says Jimmy Olsen editor. And in the thing, in the, um, in the, in the upper right corner, we see an autographed picture of Superman and, you know, to, to Perry White basically saying, thanks. You're a great editor. So Jimmy is shouting at Perry White and says, Wait, you nitwit, this story you turn in is terrible. If your writing doesn't improve, you're fired. And Perry says, Why, you pipsqueak, you can't talk to me like that. I mean, er, yes, Mr. Olson, whatever whatever you say, Mr. Olson, uh, Mr. Olson, you're the boss. And then Lois is standing in the background saying, Now thinking, now I've seen everything. Perry White, who eats reporters for breakfast, taking orders from Jimmy Olson? Why is Perry doing it? So... Uh, we all, it opens with 
Uh, it is... Harry's birthday. He's turning 55. Is it 55? Uh, yeah, 55 candles. Okay, so he is, uh, he turns 55, and everybody, and so basically he says, you find out, for his Perry White's wife, Mrs. White, tells everybody that... that Perry needs to lose that weight. That Perry needs to lose some weight, and... To the point of denying him his own birthday cake. Exactly. So the wife doesn't even give him a uh, a birthday cake. And so right. And what you also find out is the next day is uh, a an event sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce where the a boss of the day promotion, where the head of every office exchanged jobs with the lowliest employee. And in this case, I guess the lowliest employee is Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. So the next day, um, Jimmy Olsen takes a seat. And um, uh, and tells Perry to clear out his desk for the clear day. Clear out his desk, and is like, "Oh, wait, this is something this that uses something you forgot." This is a life insurance, and thing it's you yes, do. Universal Life Insurance Company. Remember that. So uh, he gets in, and then uh, Superman says, uh, "I bought you a gift, a nameplate as big as your new job." It's just a day. And couldn't he have made that being Jimmy, being Superman, and having ability to? I don't know. He could make a he could make a football stadium. Yep. He made a football stadium. He's made his own friggin' solar system. No, it didn't say he bought it. It said he brought it. He may very well have made it. Okay. He bet darn well better have. All right. So um, the next day. So sh- I'm sorry, sure, today. certainly after that, um, Clark of course says I'm going to. Uh, Superman goes, I'm going to disguise myself as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. And Jimmy comes up and he's like, all right, this paper is going to be run by an expert for once. I'm going to be doing a great job. So he decides. So first thing he does is he tells, I'm going to tell that dumb cub reporter, Perry White, his assignments. And then Perry's thinking, the young scamp, I'll get him with him for embarrassing me. So he sends everybody to do the things that they like to do. Right. Which is actually a good idea. I think so. So Lois Lane's, of course, but they are like so crazy stereotypical. It's stereotypical, but it's a good, like, it's a good idea. It's just too stereotypical. He sends Lois to a fashion show. He sends Clark to a championship football football game. game and then sends these other reporters to a swimsuit Florida to report on the bathing beauty contest. Uh, and what does he tell Perry to do? He wants to he's assigning him to take pictures of Metropolis Harbor from the top of the Statue of Freedom, which they might as well call not the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Basically. So and um at the time there were no elevators. Elevators. So you had to like climb up like and you know for a while that's what it was in the Statue of Liberty. There were no elevators. You yeah. could you could only walk up. And in fact, I did that walk once. I couldn't walk for three days afterwards. Seriously? Um, it was it was oh, it was horrible. Yeah, it really messed me up. Um, so then he's at forty six flights of stairs, and he's like, <sighs> but he's like, I'm gonna power through because I am Perry White, and I'm gonna show that pipsqueak what's going on. I'm going to show him what's what. So uh, he gets up to the top and he soaks. He goes back to the office, soaks his feet. And uh, Jimmy Olsen, of course, says, stop your gold bricking. You got a new thing to do. He has to go interview a recluse that Jimmy interviewed last year. But he has to get there himself. And the only way to get there is to row his own boat. Right. So he uh, but he's like, man, I'm beat. And Jimmy's like, so I understand. What am I to understand, White, that you are refused to obey my orders? And he figures that there's some weird point of pride going on where he thinks that he can do. He has to show that he can do Jimmy Olsen's job without. He really doesn't. But he 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 feels like he can. He has to be able to take it. So he crosses the uh, the swamp with he try, he tries to find this millionaire guy. Not millionaire Rec- recluse. This Rick, this recluse. He's not a millionaire recluse. No, I don't think so. He's Hubert Van Klick. Clike. Clike. The millionaire hermit. Really? Millionaire hermit. All right. So uh, he's this recluse guy, and he takes a boat and he rents the boat, and, and he has to row there himself, and he interviews him, and he goes and he interviews him, and he comes back, and he's like, "This interview isn't as half as clever as the one I wrote last year," and. Uh, and now you have to ride in a space simulator. Right. So he's like, now, yeah, now you have to go in this. He's like, as a punishment, 
I'm going to send you, I'm going to give you another assignment. So he's like, ah, you insolent young pup, you can't push me around. I'll. And Jimmy says, you'll what, Mr. White? Go on, say it. And I guess they don't want him to say. I'll quit. Right. Because I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. So he then goes to the army lab in downtown Metropolis where they stick him in one of those G-force things that swings you round and round and round and round and round. Okay. I have a question. Go ahead. Are they not concerned that they are seriously medically injuring Perry because he has just been said to have not been in the best shape? No, they are not interested in that at all. So They uh, could kill this guy. It's true, but they don't care. This is at a time when they don't worry about that sort of thing. So Perry White comes out. He's a little exhausted. Um, I'm sure he has vomited at least once. At least. And he says, uh, you know, and then there's just like, I'm giving you one more report. And he's like, nope, I'm off at six. He's like, nope, Superman is going to take you. To where it's two hours behind. Right. So he's like, he's taking you to the Mojave Desert to cover a missile landing. Incidentally, White, desert time is three hours behind three ours. Hours. So you've still got five hours of work. Because the Mojave Desert is two hours away, I guess. I guess. So he flies Superman there. Superman flies him there. And he's like, I'm going to die. I can't (laughs) believe it. Ugh. He's like, I'm going to die. Ugh. Ugh. And I don't understand Superman. Why is he leaving him here to die? And then Superman comes back. Right. Superman comes back and brings him back to the Daily Planet. And what you all find out is the reason why. So it's the end of the day. And the reason why they almost killed Perry White was... So the next day is uh, Jimmy comes into the office of Perry White, and uh, Jimmy says, Don't say it, Perry. I know it's coming. I'm fired. He's like, Would you blame me? You made me climb 46 46 floors, row my arms off, take a grueling space flight, and get broiled in the desert. He's like, However, my wife told me the real reason you made my life liver miserable. Liver. My, My... Okay, so what you find out is that this was all a plot... By Perry White's lovely wife, Mrs. Wife, lovely wife, (laughs) Perry White's lovely wife, Mrs. White. Good job, Dad. Thank you. Um, To get him to lose weight for... To get the health insurance. To get the health insurance. So they made him drop 20 pounds in... A day. A day. That's unhealthy. I am curious to know how it happened. I can tell you right now. That is absurdly unhealthy. Yes. And just the how it's just I mean, I know that there is a whole strategy to it. Boxers do it all the time, but it's it is ridiculous. What, losing twenty pounds. Yeah, they day? when they go to weight, they they have these when uh, because there's a t- what, point. Do they get like? There's a do point they, in like, time. Not eat, not drink, and work out like crazy for a day. No, well, well actually, I also saw this at they, in my high school. They would also do this. They had they, they had a room. It was a, one of those like um you know and, you know how you, when you go there's always that little space between the inside door and outside door. There's yeah. that little place that he would put people in there and basically make them do calisthenics and exercises. And it would get super hot. And they would, and it would sweat, make you and sweat, sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat. And because of sweating, you lose weight. You lose a lot. It's water weight. And as soon as you drink a glass of water, it goes back. But but it helps. But when you when then you're getting go to, weight immediately. Exactly. After. So if you're getting weighed in and being as skinny as being as small as possible, so that you can get the that was actually like not our gym coach's recommendation, but when we had to do the physical fitness test for like the weight and height thing, she said eat a relatively light breakfast and don't drink a lot of water during right. brunch, and then you'll get a lighter weight. But they've apparently taken this to a new level, and he's now lost twenty pounds. And he didn't even have to put on one of those bands that go that that jiggles your fat and makes you go whoa 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 that they would have done. Do those even this, actually no, work? No, no, they do not. <laughs> uh, I think in answer to your question, you need to go to any gym and look in the world one. and see if you can find one of them in the um, storage and like the very back. No, I think like by cloth. now they have destroyed them. Uh, so no, those do not work. Anyway, so then we have Varsity Vic and Varsity Vic because he's Varsity. I guess he's at the uh, college. College, and he's now met his new roommate, Hubert. And Hubert says, "I like it very quiet and early. Do you have a radio? No. A phonograph? A tape recorder? No. Do you play a musical instrument? No." And then Varsity Vic goes, "I ought to warn you, my fountain pen scratches when I write." (sighs) And so that's funny. No, it's not. uh, um, So then. 
We then have Cloverine South. Get ice skates. Um, Catcher's mitt. Record players. I guns. Can't, I can't remember what it's called. The thing horses. No, the thing. Accordions. Yes, that. And of course, your free fallen foreign coin. Let's see. So then we have Super Olsen, Jimmy Olsen's pen pals, and we. They have a good one in here. Go ahead. Show okay. me. So. I actually addressed this when it happened, but when Jimmy Olsen goes to space and everyone's, like, telepathic, but they also speak English, and I said that this, and I said that English isn't even the most efficient language on Earth, well, this guy says the exact same thing. Right. And he's like, please explain this, and they're like, I'm sorry, we didn't understand your question. Maybe you should have used a more efficient language. I think it's basically um, the editor saying, shut up, dummy. Yeah, basically. Um, This is actually one that I I had brought up, which was in the story entitled Million Dollar Mistakes, Perry White and his staff counted a million dollars in one day. This is impossible because it takes one man working eight hours a day, six and a half years to do the same job. Why do they know that? I think it's just one of those math problems that people, okay. every once in a while, they're like, how long? And they say, so they're like, you didn't notice that Clark Kent was one of the staff assisting in the counting. So it, so basically they're saying that he kind of used his super, his super speed. But the thing is, wouldn't they then all know that it was Superman who did it and not Clark Kent? Mild no, because they can't see newspaper? six inches in front of their nose. They are like the among the I think they all have face blindness. I'm pretty sure they that have, that's got to be the thing is that there is a huge They have the observation skills of a brick wall. That a lot of people in Metropolis have Lois has the observation skills of a slightly more intelligent brick wall. They all have face blindness and they cannot recognize that of course Superman is Clark Kent or that Jimmy Olsen is Jimmy Olsen. Right, and that that like everybody that like you know selective people all throughout Metropolis cannot recognize Jimmy Olsen as Jimmy Olsen, the guy who is always in the news. So he, um, so basically they they tell him to shut up. Basically, <laughs> yes, this is one of the shut up. Mm-hmm. So and so basically, yeah, the 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 Jimmy Olsen's pen pals are lots of people writing in telling them how they screwed up and the uh, editors telling them shut up basically mm-hmm. uh, which is amusing or periodically they will have an excuse right right and so uh, like like uh, here's or they ask like these questions like I would like to know how come Superman gave Jimmy Olsen his pal a signal watch and didn't give one to his best friend Clark Kent and why doesn't Lois you know why. and why doesn't Lois Lane wonder about this shh Lois Lane might overhear you and request a signal watch, a signal watch for herself. Speaking seriously, you have a valid point there. One which might be addressed later. Serve as the springboard for a good story. So basically they're like Good idea, kid. Good idea. Although this could be one of those this is there's a story coming that's going to address this and we figured we'd start it by By putting it in right. here. Well also like why doesn't Lois Lane have a signal watch? Because she would use it when Clark Kent was having a conversation with her. But. Like, every single time. But, anyhow, um, we're not going to have this conversation Until now. she could figure out that Clark Kent was, in fact, Superman. And not Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. She would just use it as an excuse to have a conversation with Clark, and then in the middle of it, press the button. Which, never mind. I'm not, let, uh, no, I'm not, stop. Um, so... <laughs> Okay, so that brings us to our last story. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, who has not heard of the fabled Lamp of Aladdin and all its powerful genie who fulfilled his master's most fantastic wishes, but who would dream that one day Jimmy Olsen would become the head hero and villain of a new Aladdin lamp? It all happens when Superman's pal becomes Jimmy the Genie. And in this first panel, we see Superman flying in, and there is Jimmy dressed in um, stereotypically... Uh, Middle Eastern gear, which is some weird hodgepodge of varying He's got basically items. the Aladdin getup plus a turban with a different color scheme. Right. He's got harem pants and an Indian turban and like, I, it's... And a sash. Yes. This is, you know, just to de- demonstrate to everybody that... Uh, with the turned up shoes. That the West has no idea what's going on anywhere outside of the West. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, and sitting is in a suit, in the purple suit is a guy smoking a hookah, and then Jimmy, and then Superman shows up and says, Great Scott, Jimmy, what's happened to you? And Jimmy, who's carrying an enormous throne, says, I've become the genie of Aladdin's lamp. All my supernatural powers choke. 
are at his villain's command, and even you can't stop him. And then the man says, right, Jimmy Ol Superman Jimmy Olsen will make soon make me the emperor of the universe. And that's why I ordered him to bring me a gold throne. All right, Mr. Ego. So our story starts with them in the desert, uh, and they are looking for Artifacts. a, well, they're looking for uh, an ancient tomb. That, that that archaeologists have not been able to find. But Superman, being Superman, of course, is like, I will take a look, and then I will use my super breath to blow a super sandstorm so everything is swept away. And they go to the tomb, and, and they take all the stuff in the tomb. And they find all these artifacts, which Superman carries by basically taking off his cape, making it into a sack, and then putting all the things in the sack. Right. Which is pretty inventive. It's true. So then, an hour later, Jimmy is struck with a toothache, and he has all these artifacts at his house. They've dropped all this stuff at his house. So he can photograph all of them. Right. So then, he, as soon as he finds out that he has a toothache, he does the, I'm going to tie a weird thing around my head uh, and try to call the dentist, and the dentist uh, won't. Would that even help with a toothache? <laughs> I don't know. Because, but... like... Not only is it not directly on the teeth, I think the, it's like completely external. Okay, I think what the goal is with the tying of the thing around your head when you have a toothache is... I think is, that would help with a jaw pain more than well, tooth pain. I think the reason why they tie it like that is so that you can slip a ice pack Yo, that's dumb because he's holding in, it to the side right, of his head. Right. But since so he's clearly it, that's not it. But since he's holding it to the side of his head... That means uh, that the entire reason why you would do that is not not happening. Is not in play, and uh, Jimmy's just being dumb. So he's like, "Oh man, I got this pain." Ugh. So he's about to call the dentist, and then out of the lamp we hear, "Please let me out. I'll grant your every wish." And then Jimmy's like, "What the what? Aladdin's lamp? What?" And then he's like, "Okay, I'll I'll see if this actually works." And then the genie pops out, and he's like. Do you want me to fix your toothache? And Jimmy's like, yes, I want you to fix my toothache. Right. So then he's like, oh, the pain is gone. Ooh. He's like, it, uh, it, uh, uh, hey, you, you can grant wishes. He's like, all right, well, I got a great idea. Um, Lucy Lane turned me down for a date last week. Can you change her mind? And Isn't that... What? What's that called? Manipulative? Y yes. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of a different word. Unfair? Yes. I'm thinking of a different word. Either way, that's not right. Right. No. No, it's wrong. That's wrong. Wrong. That's I, real wrong. Basically, he's... Lucy Lane's her own person. She's not... She's not a possession. No. A fickle possession. <laughs> then, of course, Jimmy then calls Lucy, who says, Yes, Jimmy, the date I had for tonight fail, failed through. If you'd like, I can see you instead. And then he wishes for a giant banana. Right. Then he, of ice course, him, him being a teenager, wishes for a giant banana. Ice cream thing. Sunday. Right. And then. I mean, I would do that. I would invite everybody over and be like, hey, guys, I got a genie. Let's get, like, unlimited ice cream and stuff. And I then, mean, I wouldn't do that. First, so, I would do a whole lot of other things. But. So then Jimmy. That would be on the list. Jimmy starts, I guess, going through the things. And one of the things is uh, a picture of the boss of the ghost gang, J.B. Hayes, the banker. Um, and he's like, okay. Um, so Jimmy's I like, wow, Hayes is one of Perry White's best friends. This will kill Perry when he finds out. And then suddenly, without warning. Jimmy turns into the genie and the other guy looks slightly evil. Okay. That Jimmy and the genie basically switch places. I have they a costume issue. They don't switch bodies, by the way. They switch places. Like, they just switch clothes. Like, basically, Jimmy is wearing the genie clothes and, and the genie is wearing... within the room. Right. And genie's wearing uh, Jimmy's suit. Okay. So please, as I understand it, I've been told that you have a question. Okay. Which is highly unlike you. On the cover. Yes. And this is like a really minor detail. Sure. The bow tie is white with pink and purple spots. Right. But in this one, it's different. Yeah. And I also noticed that... It's green with black stripes, and both of these do not go with a purple pinstripe suit. Well, green goes with the purple pinstripe suit. Green and purple is a, is a classic comic book combination. I know, but you don't want diagonal stripes going with pinstripes. No, that is very true. And you don't want polka dots going with pinstripes. No, also true. So what you find out is that there was this word, the forbidden word. The word is kill. The word, the forbidden word being kill. And uh, so whoever says the word in his presence dooms himself to being the new genie. Now, this is... Uh, 
I don't I don't think I've ever heard of that. No one has. Okay. No one has. So um, he's like, the only way to reverse it is, of course, to get me to say it. And I, I'm not going to say it because I'm, it's a Mr. Mix, Mix, Mixes Piddlick situation. Yes, that's the way you Which say is it. impossible, by the way. But that's another, that's another story for another time. Um, so, and then, of course, he's like, ah, you asked for all these dumb things like a banana split. I'm going to get all kinds of stuff. So I beg to get... differ. I think a banana split is a great wish. Well, I also think that if anybody, well, we'll get into that in just a second. So uh, he's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to have countless riches. I'm going to have limitless power. I'm going to rule the world. And I'm going to be, and I'm, you're going to be my slave. You're going to be my genie. What you find out. So what happens is his first thing he's going to do is have a castle on an island. So he makes him a castle on an island. So then he wishes for a million dollars. So he gives it to him in silver dollars. Right. So this is the thing, okay? As we all know, if we have if we have learned anything from almost any wish scenario that has happened in the world, genies will find any and every way that to make your wish unfulfilling. Ironic twists are are like the genies bread and butter. It is their total and utter thing. It is the thing that they want ultimately undoes them. And he is a former genie. He hasn't. He didn't know that going in. He's got to be the dumbest genie that has ever, the, the least self-aware genie that has ever happened, ever, ever, ever. I think he thinks ever. Jimmy's just an idiot. So he decides, oh, well, I'm just going to have to, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do all this, uh, this. I'm going to do everything I can to annoy the heck out of this guy. I'm doing ironic twists, baby. Check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to ironic twist this into a pretzel, baby. So he drops a million silver dollars onto the castle, which and collapses it. the castle. Right. And he's like, hey, I wanted this in paper money, not si- this man. He's like, I wanted it in paper money, not silver. This wrecked my castle. But now you got to give me a mountain of gold. So he gives him a mountain of gold. Except he puts it directly in the path of a plane. And so Superman gets called and Superman melts the mountain of gold. Right. Uh, so, you know, once again, ironic twist foiled. He melts the mountain of gold. Everything's gone. And Abdul, his name is Abdul, figures this out. Says, "Hey, where's my gold?" And he's like, "Superman took care of it, baby. Sorry." And then, um, and he's like, "Now make an earthquake to destroy the fortress of solitude, so that I can destroy Superman." Right. Uh, you all intend to foil my plans with the help of Superman. I'll show you. Destroy Superman. Nonsense. Superman is indestructible, and even if you did get rid of him, his robots at the fortress could take care of you. So the first thing he does is he traps all of the robots inside the Fortress of Solitude. Then Superman becomes a human bulldozer and busts out of the Fortress of Solitude. And then... And then lifts it up so that it doesn't get destroyed in this earthquake. Right. So then Abdul, thinking the fortress area is demolished, gleefully continues. He's like, now that we've destroyed the Superman robots, we have to get rid of Superman. Notice, I did not utter the, the forbidden word. Now, Genie, turn yourself into living kryptonite. So he turns himself into living kryptonite. And then summons Superman. And then summons Superman. And and, Krypton, and Superman looks really weird. Right. And so... He turns green immediately. One of the things that I've always had... And then just falls down dead. Like, one of the... Okay. One of the things that I've always had kind of a curiosity about when it comes to kryptonite is, does it actually kill him if he's exposed to it long enough? Not originally. If I remember correctly, originally it just made him human. And then you could just shoot him in the head? Basically. Um, but at this point, it seems like it at the very least death, like really, really injures him, or I think prolonged exposure to enough kryptonite would kill him. Right. And that remains to be the thing. So he, uh, he's like, Superman's turned completely green. He's dead. This calls for a celebration. Amuse me, Genie. Let's see. Some exciting, weird movies. Arrange for it. Switch back from kryptonite to flesh. So he goes and he gets three movies. He gets... Dracula, Frankenstein, and Dr. Jekyll Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And then he says... Which order do you want them in? He's like, all right, well, I'll see Dracula first, then Frankenstein, and then I'll see Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, in case you've missed this, within the name Jekyll is the word kill, which is... Except it's pronounced differently. Well, I guess it works. It is close enough. That Unless he said Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which sounds weird. He well he's got he's got an accent. So maybe Yeah, but if he had that noticeable of an accent, they would have written it in a really awful way. So um they just So the genie 
uh, switches back because he says Jekyll, which has the word kill in it. And then he's like, now undo all the evil you've done and go back to your lamp. Now I just wish Superman was alive. And then Superman flies in and is like, that's just my robot. You killed a robot. Right. It's fine. I'm well, fine. Well, the other thing is, don't the Superman robots, aren't they impervious to No, because I guess they have to be like Superman. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Either way, um... Basically, the genie just turns into another trophy in the Superman collection, and they all lived happily ever after. Right. Although, I would have ordered another ice cream sundae, because the first one probably melted by then. Before I go, I'm going to have another ice cream sundae. Although, I think he actually ate most of the ice cream sundae when he found out about um, the ghost gang guy. Although, it, I know it shows that he's still eating it, but he that's a lot of ice cream. I'm sure he got full. So, um, I would have still ordered another ice cream sundae. So, there on the shelf at the Fortress of Solitude, there is a genie waiting to be let out. Unfortunately, we will probably never hear from him again. All right, so that concludes our third story, which then brings us into the final one. The final, the, the final home stretch. The first one being stamps. Stamps! Free British, free British African stamps and that's, illustrated Brooklyn, all new, place. all different, all yours. For free. Where you get a... Matritis, Basutoland, Gibraltar, Nigeria, Gold Coast, and a bunch of other cities, all with the Queen of England's face on it. Yep. And... And that was Elizabeth at this point, right? Yes, we are in the, the reign of Elizabeth II. Okay. So then we have BB Guns. Yay! And if you get this BB gun, oh you'll get low-cost year shooting, year-round shooting. Um, it has six man-sized features: a hooded three-way front sight, wooden beaver tail forearm, adjustable top grain leather slit, slit sling, special soft trigger squeeze, the adjustable heck do they rear peep sight. Man-sized features, like yes, not kid-sized. Nope. It's only twelve ninety-five, and uh, you know if the dad wants to get in on the action. He can then. Apparently, I guess a, uh, a rifle a, a rifle is too much for him, so he should get a target pistol for only $5. Designed for accurate short range, 100 shots for $0.05. Cents. I mean, I guess that's not a bad deal for the 1950s. I guess not. But, like, I still think it's weird that they're selling guns in it is books. It is unusual given our current, you know, the way marketing works now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we have Learn Radio and Television by... Learn radio television by servicing or communication, by practicing at home in your spare time. So you learn how to become. You learn how to be a useful citizen. Right. That you become a radio and you be, learn how, how to radios and TVs work. And you can uh, add income soon, 10 to $15 a week in spare time. Basically. So you can become uh, a guy who does engineering. And then uh, it is the classic Daisy ad of let's have it on one page and then just in case you've forgotten. Just on the last page. Right. Bob's Christmas gift. Here's the pump gun Bob got for Christmas. Christmas morning. My Christmas gift to you, Bill, is training in marksmanship and safe handling of all guns. And then there's Bob going, man, a real Daisy. Christmas afternoon, Dad instructed Bob how to shoot safely at a at 15 feet NRA target, New Year's Day, Bob and his pal get safety field training from Dad. Later, Bob shows pal unique pump action that cocks his number 25. Summertime, Bob's 25 takes down into two pieces for vacation travel, a special feature. Uh, yes, that was when you could take guns on vacation. Right. Um, well... <laughs> At least they're saying you should take a safety course. Yep. They don't really talk about that much anymore. No, they don't. But, um... Which is problematic because the guns now are more dangerous. But we are going to steer somewhat clear of this topic. Um, see the free and exciting New Color Sound Rocket Club movie produced by the Daisy Corporation in cooperation with the United States Air Force. Woohoo! So if you buy, you can get this thing, and then the Daisy Manufacturing Company, you get the air rifles. Make sure you get it for Christmas, and you get an Air Force missile. Uh, you get a uh, you know a special Rocket Club movie produced by the Daisy Corporation. So that concludes issue number forty-two of Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. I would like to thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to help the show, do all the things. Yep. You could write us a review. That would be lovely. If you could just tell us, tell somebody else that you know. And I will, again, put forth the request that if you could tell 
One person. One person. One of the stories that you have heard in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And if people are interested, please turn them on to our podcast. Uh, thank you then for the to the spin doctors once again for not suing us. <laughs> Still waiting for a cease and desist letter. Have not gotten it yet. Yay! So um, until next time. Oh wait, do you have anything? Um yeah. Um support your local roller derby. Sure. And since there's only 163 issues, I think. Yes. Um, this concludes the first quarter of them. Right. We are now through 25% of all these Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Just gotten more absurd. And they just, yeah, they do. They just keep getting more and more weird. Yep. And still fewer and fewer white people. I mean, people of color. More and more white people. Although technically this genie guy was vaguely Middle Eastern. He's very white looking. Yeah, he is a very white looking guy. Um, so uh, thanks again. And uh, until next time, this is Gary Rowland. This is Ella Plum Rowland. And we say... Superman away. Away.